Hi, welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Drew Lesweer. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Clayton Langelzigic. And I'm Roy Vandewater. And today we're going to be talking about an article by Jamie Flinchbaugh titled, Don't Just Change the Process If People Aren't Following the Existing One. And the article talks about um, how people focus on uh, the process um, and following it to the T as opposed to uh, questioning whether that's the correct process. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? So, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like it could be very easy to abuse, right? It sounds like an invitation for scrum butts or any other process butts for, well, it's a problem with the process, so... I guess, actually, this is saying don't change the process. Actually, I kind of, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's maybe not a scrum butt, right? It's saying just because it doesn't work for you, it, maybe it's not the process's fault. I, I completely turned around right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that what I see a lot of times are uh, people get so hung up on that their process is the problem. And I, I think what he might be saying is, uh, you know, if you've got a process and people aren't following it, well, what makes you think they're going to follow some new process? And even if they all are following the process, is how do you know that the process is really the problem? Meaning, you know, if you've got deep culture issues or you've got leadership problems or you've got visioning problems, uh, process does not solve those. All process does are, especially if you're talking Scrum or Agile, you know, Kanban, all it does is highlight problems. It doesn't actually solve them. So, you know, if you just kind of say, here's process A, and we run through it, and it highlights all these problems, and we go, mm, yep, let's not do anything about those problems. Let's just switch to another process, and maybe if we have that process, those problems won't exist. And then that process just highlights the same exact problems. At some point, you have to deal with the problems. So, Derek, how often have you found that it actually is the process that is the problem within a company? Like, has has that ever happened to you? Or is that something that happens, generally speaking, and this is an exception where it is? Like, well, how does... So, I've never seen the process be a solution. I have seen uh, lack of process or no process make it so that a company or a team does not know what the problem is. So I I think sometimes you have to create a jump into a process to help highlight what the problems are, Mm -hmm. but ultimately the process never solves the problems. It just highlights them. So if you've already got a process that's highlighted a bunch of the problems for you, I wouldn't advocate going and switching to another process. I would deal with the problems that your current process is highlighting. If you have no clue what problems you need to tackle, then maybe you need some process to help highlight the problems for you. Yeah, I think one example that comes to mind is you might find a team that, say they're doing Scrum, and they never have enough time for planning. Like every time they want, they say scrum, the process says we have to do this thing called a planning meeting and it has these certain things we have to do. And there's this artifact or whatever that falls out of it, but uh, we just can't do it. You know, either the, the work we're doing is too complex and we don't have time to break down all the work that we're doing in this planning meeting. Uh, or, um, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. We, you know, we only have this set amount of, you know, they told us we have to do this two week sprint thing so we can't spend two days. That's too big of a percentage of our sprint just doing planning. And I think that's one of those situations that Derek's getting to is, you know, okay, well, maybe there's a problem. Why is it take so long to plan? Or maybe that's not even a problem. Maybe that's okay. But I think that's the kind of thing that people will dive in and say, this process is broken. It doesn't work. So does that change it? Does that mean that maybe processes like Scrum and like some of the other ones out there are really just a way to normalize your team so that you can talk in the same language as all the other teams? 
So, for example, having the issue of not being able to um, spend the time for planning. Like, you might be able to go to another team that's practicing Scrum and say, like, hey, we're having this problem. And because you guys are using the same terminology and you guys are trying to implement the same process, maybe that just makes it easier. Maybe all it is is a framework to make it easier to communicate your problems to other teams so that they are able to help you out. Yeah, I don't know if that would make it... E- I mean, it probably would make it easier, but I don't think that's really the goal um, so much as the teams are probably going to all have different kinds of problems, mm-hmm. but, and they're all going to be exposed in some different way. Uh, and I think it's that kind of... You get to that fork in the road where either you decide to, okay, well, here's this problem we have. We're going to resolve it somehow. Or I think what the, you know, the gist of the article is, we have this process problem. It must mean that we're not doing something about the process right, so let's stop doing this and let's find a new process. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll, that's the real issue. You know, a lot of times I think the stuff that something like Scrum or you know any agile methodology will uncover are difficult things that you would rather not have to solve. Uh, so it's a lot easier just to blame it on the process, do some new thing. You know, here look look a pony, you get some new thing in there, and you can kind of start the cycle over again. So we have some processes out there that I feel like most of us consider negative processes, or if it. I think in most circumstances, for example, waterfall is pretty much frowned upon in the Agile community. And there, there probably is a time and a place for it. But how do you make that determination? Is it just if the entire Agile community shuns it, then we can't consider it a valid process and, we should, and it might be the process that's, that is a problem? Or how, how, do we, how do we know that it is my process that is a problem? Or how do I know it is my team that is a problem? You, you know what I mean? So, so, so for me, it goes back to, I, I think, a, a process lets you know what challenges you face within a team or an organization. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the reason that Waterfall has kind of been universally shunned or, or shown to not be as effective is its feedback cycle is way too short. So it, it does have the ability to tell you that things are wrong mm-hmm. and, and to uh, deal with them. However, the time frames that that are in are generally in months or years opposed to days or weeks. And, and so I think when I, when I look at it, why most Agile processes do fairly well is because they're very iterative, which means they've got much, much smaller feedback loops. So I, w- I would almost argue uh, a lot of teams I see doing Scrum are really doing mini waterfall. I mean, their teams are still very siloed. You know, they're they're doing two or four week sprints. Um, uh, you know, in in kind of the whole, you know, they have uh, iteration zero and they have a hardening sprint. They have all these smells, um, but they are getting feedback in a much tighter loop than if they said, you know, hey, we're going to do this twelve month project and we're not really going to do a post mortem until month right. twelve. Gotcha. Just to clarify, I think you meant to say that they have a long, uh, longer feedback cycle. You said yes, yes, longer, longer feedback cycle. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, one of you mentioned earlier about uh, you know when people have resistance to part of the process, like oh, we, we can't spend all this time planning, or you know, or this stand up's just getting in our way. Why don't I just get my work done? You know, uh, part of a, of a lot of agile uh, processes are um, you know ceremonies that may be uncomfortable for people who are trying them to start. How, what are ways you guys think to overcome those type of kind of awkwardness of starting a new ceremony that by their culture they've never done before? So I was going to say, I, I think a lot of it is providing value in those ceremonies. So I see uh, way, way too many organizations uh, institute a stand-up or a planning meeting and 
they are pretty much dog and pony shows in the sense of they are there only because some scrum book or some you know some scrum master or some coach has told the team they need to do that, but the teams get no inherent value out of them. And so I, I think the key is you know getting the information out in the ceremony, dealing with it and reflecting on it and improving the ceremony kind of every time. Otherwise, what's the point? Like, I mean, I, there's been several times I've told teams, why do you even bother having a stand-up? Because what you're doing is not valuable to yourselves or anyone around you. And to kind of build on that, I guess the question is, you know, going back to the article about don't just change the process, um, when, is, when do you guys think it's okay to change the process? You know, how far is it a matter of, like, team maturity? Or do you have to try it for a certain period of time? You know, how would you know now is the right time to change things and do something different, even just as an experiment. And how would you know how far to go with that? And if you would keep that for a longer period of time, um, you know, how is it okay to change the process or how would you know that? One example that I have, and it's just maybe a change of not not necessarily a process, but a practice is we were trying to get our stories smaller. Like we, we had a problem of having stories that were too big and, remember during planning once we we argued forever or discussed for a long time it should this story be broken up or not and at that point we we decided okay let's just pull it in this into the sprint let's not talk about it more you know we can we can move move on and figure out if it was too big or not but i think sometimes because of a time constraint you can just move on and maybe just skip some of some of those things that maybe you know you should do but as a team, you don't have consensus. So I think it's all about data. So I would ask, you know, why why did the team think they needed to break the story down to a smaller story? Like, what 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 behavior, or what symptom, or what data, uh, you know, made you think, you know, hey, why do we need? We should potentially break this down. Right. In that experience, I think it was more of just people saying, hey, we should break this story, or people saying big stories are bad and smaller stories are good, and that kind of was all the data that we were going off of. Yeah. Later on, we actually kind of learned that ourselves when we learned that, hey, it's getting to the near, near the end of the sprint and we have no story signed off. How can we fix that problem? Right. And so to me, it's all about data. So if, if you say, hey, the problem is, right, the, the data that's coming up is that we're not getting stories into pending until the end of the sprint, we should change something. Well, once you change something, you should then be able to measure, once we did that change, did the problem of not getting stories into pending until the end of the sprint go away? If the answer is yes, then that was probably a good process change or potentially a good process change. If the answer is no, then you say, hey, well, that, you know, that's not had anything to do with it. Let's either go back to what we were doing before or let's find what the real problem is. So it sounds like in that type of situation, you'd want to be very careful to make only one change that you know which change caused your measurable effect, right? So doing a whole process swap like like you um had asked like when it's appropriate like that it sounds like doing a whole process swap is very difficult because <clears throat> sure you can measure whether or not there was a successful change but you don't know which aspects of your new process made that change and chances are if it, it did improve then your ideal process as a team lies somewhere between the old process and the new process right in some cases not in all cases obviously but i kind of feel like instead of approaching a new process what i would do is Try to get the existing process working so that you know that you're following all of the ceremonies, right? And deal with those problems that arise. And if you want to start, if you still are noticing problems within, within the organization or within the team, I would start pulling in one aspect at a time of the other process and trying them out and trying to see if, and just swap it in place and see if that works for your team and, and, or not, right? And I, I can't really think of too many cases in which 
different best practices from multiple processes are mutually exclusive. Well, I was going to say, what if the the different aspects that you might be pulling in uh, are conflicting? Right. So, I mean, I could, since you're only pulling in one aspect, um, my assumption, and that could be a wrong assumption, is that it should really only affect one aspect of your existing process. So I still feel like that's a one change that you're making. Well, I mean, I guess maybe the way I would say it is if your current process is not highlighting problems for you, by all means, change your process. If, if, if your current process is highlighting problems for you, until you've dealt with those problems, changing your process will not help you. So if you think you kick ass, you're using the wrong process and you need to switch immediately. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I wasn't being totally facetious. I mean, if you legitimately... Because, let's face it, no team is perfect. Everybody needs to improve. So if your process is telling you that you are perfect, something's wrong. Yeah, so I guess that's a matter of does your process support something like a continuous improvement and Correct. those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, so I guess I have w- one last question. Um, if I'm in a situation where maybe I'm part of a team and all of a sudden um, some, you know, the say Scrum, Scrum thing gets dumped on me and I'm, be, I'm to, told, you know, now you do this process. We used to do this thing over here. That's the old and bust, busted now we're going to do the new hotness. Do it. Is that kind of culture and that kind of thing even conducive to having that process be successful in the first place? Or is that the kind of culture where people are going to blame the process for problems? That's a good point. I mean, when, when something like that is mandated from on high, it makes it very difficult. I think we've had some good arguments in the past about the power of self-organizing teams. And I think if you start organizing the team for them, it's, it's going to be difficult to get buy-in. I mean, I think it's difficult. It's a difference between self-direction and, and self-organization. So I think that you can still have a large amount of self-organization and be put in a container. Sure. Right? So, I mean, you know, you could be put on a team and say, you know, hey, you have to ship product X, right? Technically, that's not self-direction, right? But you could be pretty self-organizing within that. Um, I would say that, you know, if you've got leadership or you've got somebody who understands self-organization and really wants the team to quickly adopt or quickly accelerate uh, through a new process that is highly self-organizing, I, I think you'd probably want to go through some form of a process where you start to talk about the old process or lack of a process mm-hmm. and say, hey, doesn't it bother anybody else that, that we can't do A or we can't do B or, you know, that this is a problem, you know, you know, like our quality sucks or, you know, we don't have predictability or these kind of things and, and, and start with, you know, isn't this a problem? And if the team starts to identify it's a problem, then you can kind of say like, well, what, what if we use this thing you know this whatever the process is to try to help solve some of those problems and then you know now it's kind of the team is kind of pulling it along right it's not you know you will use this it's rather hey here are the problems we're trying to solve does anybody know how to solve them i've heard these these particular processes might be good for it and now you're kind of letting them be part of that process of choosing the process and the best part is they might actually have better ideas than ones that you're already aware of to, to deal with some of those issues or they may, they may be able to point out that what you think are the issues are not the real issues. Right. And they can adopt the changes. You know, as you talked about, Derek, if they, if they show the problems or they share with the problems, then they can choose, you know, some change that they can make to solve those problems and make it more of a gradual thing. And it's their victory if they succeed. Well, and, and I think it falls in line with, uh, if we're talking at least Scrum, it falls in line with you can tell the team this is the story needs to, that needs to be done, but you're not, telling them the proce- you're not telling them how to implement that story. In the same way, you can say these are the problems 
I need as a product owner or these are the problems I need as a CEO, but you're not telling them this is the process you have to use to give me that information or to fix those problems. All right. Thank you. Uh, that concludes our episode. Uh, we'd love for you guys to join the conversation at facebook.com slash agile weekly. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes.